everyone, welcome to Handing the Shame Back, a channel dedicated to survivors of child sexual abuse across the world. We have people all over the world joining us, listening in and sharing their stories, as well as offering a sense of community. So it's my absolute pleasure to bring this to you. We have a trigger warning on these shows simply because some of what you may hear may remind you of what you experienced or reinforce some of the feelings that you had. So I think it's really important to not put yourself through it. Revisit later if you wish, but stop watching. Go to the show notes and you'll be guided to some resource and support. I've got Marita Murphy here for part two of our interview. And in this section, she's actually coming to us from Ballarat, Victoria. And in this section, she's actually going to talk about what's helped her, some of the things she recognises uh, that other survivors may benefit from using as well. Uh, she's a victim, she's a survivor, she's an advocate, and all her details and her documentaries will be listed in the show notes before this goes live so don't worry about missing out so marita we're back with you part two welcome back thank you gloria <laughs> so i guess what what we're looking at now is you know you've got this amazing story it sounds like you've got people that uh do support you and that want to see justice done and and then equally you've got people including the justice system, who haven't stepped up or, or done that as yet. So where are you sitting now in terms of what has helped you move on in your journey? I do see worldwide the same patterns, and I think we need to call it a legal system, not a justice system. So there's lots of middlemen making money off our childhood traumas, which is just incredibly wrong. Yeah. It's not geared towards the victim at all. It's geared towards their ego and and their um, lifestyle or what funds their lifestyles. And there's no shame in that. You know, a lot of these lawyers should have a hole where their soul is. So I'd encourage victims to um, journal, uh, to make a police statement, even if they don't want to do anything more than that, and ask for a copy and file it away. Um, don't. They don't need family. Um, there's a lot of societal um, norms that are really silly. Uh, we don't need permission. We don't need other people's permission to tell our stories and we've got to stop seeking it. We need to just say, well, this is my truth. Um, again, take the personalities out of it. They're serious crimes against children. And we're forced to carry it around. Um, our trauma is probably not our fault, but it's our healing is our responsibility. So Mother Nature, um, books and horses were good for me, equine therapy. Because I had no education, I worked with horses. So I actually got paid to heal. And that that's a 13-day fortnight working. So you're kind of too busy just running up for work and enjoying the horse to um, have, you know, too much 
focus on what had happened and, you know, the understanding comes as an adult and the fact that we talk about things now more, all the same stuff's always happened. It's just that people never talked about it. And if you take the best and leave the rest, social media is fabulous because it gives us a chance to have a voice. If we're not offered one, we can just take one, which is what we're doing right now. No more silence is the mantra in Ballarat with the clergy sexual abuse. And nobody did anything. All the adults, they didn't adult, all the leaders, they didn't lead. If you went to the police station, it was a well-known fact. If you wanted to report clergy abuse, you were shown the door. How disgraceful. Mm. Call it out. And interestingly, um, my documentary premiered in Showcase Cinema 1 at the region in Ballarat. Because the man that owns the region happened to have great respect for my parents-in-law, who are now both deceased. So he saw me down the street not long ago and said, oh, I think we need to put your documentary on again. And I thought, oh, I can't see the point in that because it's on YouTube now. And so I said, oh, well, I'll make an updated version. And I have not gone to mass or church since I've been living here for 38 years. So I went and saw the bishop and he's funded it. He's funded the update of my documentary. Yeah, that gets the most amazing responses. My sister-in-laws actually have stopped talking to me. They're churchgoers and they feel I actually don't need their permission to speak. I really so don't care oh, you know, I'm a bad person because I took money off the bishop. Well, no, well, he gave you the money. He, yeah. You didn't I, was obvious, I was obviously supposed to say, oh, no, sorry, you keep that money, you need it to keep paying all your survivors. Like, it's so stupid. I, I'm not into burning bridges. My door's always open. But my own sister, I found a message that at that time I'd screenshot it, but at the time I got it, I couldn't deal with it. And she said, mum would be ashamed of you for, you know, the way that you've been attacking the church. And a couple of years later, she was coming from Perth to stay and I rang her up and I said, um, I want you to know that I've culled a lot of people in my life. It, silently, they don't know, but I'm just mentally like, you don't matter to me because you don't care about me or what I've gone through or what I'm going through. So I said, but they're not usually coming to stay with me. And I said to her, as for telling me in writing that mum would be ashamed of me, of me, I just think you're on the complete wrong tram. I think she'd be very proud of me. And I've done nothing to the church. Don't shoot the messenger. So it's just the same as Sinead O'Connor when she ripped up the picture of the Pope. I too was probably, that's disrespectful. But, you know, sometimes the black sheep's the only one telling the truth. Well, the black sheep is known, and for beautiful survivors watching and, and listening to this, hello, lovely ones, uh, we know the black sheep theory because what happens is we are told to shut up, we are called evil, we are called deluded, we are called liars, we are, everything is disputed about us, and yet we are just trying to share truth, and I think that, you know, you mentioned earlier a couple of things, actually. But one is I want to look at this um, 
this non-family ties because I think it's relevant and really pertinent to our survivors as well, Marita, if you'll bear with me. I applaud you for not having a relationship with people in your family who cannot stand beside and support the trauma you went through. Congratulations. I really mean that. Thank you. The four hour survivors joining us, there are so many of us out there who cannot continue to be abused by people who decide we are the black sheep or we are troublemakers. You fill in the gaps. The courage it takes and the pain, actually, that it costs to have to end what we thought were going to be continued, unconditional, selfless, loving relationships. Can you speak mm. to that? Yeah. Well, initially my family, my siblings were supportive and I say that in the documentary, um, but right to including my husband who physically attacked me in the house in front of the two youngest children when I was getting ready to premiere the documentary and Loud Fence here in Ballarat was saying to me, oh, is your documentary going to be triggering for survivors? And I thought about it and I said, well, I'm not actually targeting survivors. It's the unaffected community that I'm targeting. And as so far as it being triggering, I suppose the person who would be most triggered would be me. So I was even getting pressure from people who are in this space, supposedly doing good work, but they've never supported me. They've given me stress, but I've had to step back and say, well, they've never shared my documentary. They've never shared the podcast. They've never shared um, the newspaper articles, which have come to, which have come to nothing. Like it's all out there, but nobody in power to this point has decided to step up and reimburse me or compensate me. We have a case, awful case, 1975 local of a 12-year-old boy local to here who went missing. Uh, obviously, it was a pedophile and his remains have never been found. And his brother has looked for his remains and the state government gave him $100,000 and he failed to find him and they just gave him another forty-five. At Any person in power down in the um, state parliament, the Premier's office could look at my situation and say, well, there's a gross miscarriage of justice. We need to fix that. But nobody's done anything. So I've just had to say, well, okay, I, I could ill afford to lose that money, but I, I'll just I'll just let that um, sit with me and I'll deal with it as best as I can. And Four Corners over here on the ABC iView had a report from behind tombstones in May. And they focused on two male cases, one in New South Wales where he was given a permanent stay. Now, I don't know whether he paid his bill. I don't think he did. But society, well, upon seeing that, immediately raised over a quarter of a million dollars in a month. I have clawed back less than $8,000 of my own money and the money that I've clawed back, I've spent on advocating. Then they focused on a Geelong Victorian male victim who did not want to risk my outcome, which was called a permanent stay on the rape case. So he settled out of court for over two million, boo-hoo. And I've been 
thrust into this enormous financial black hole. I've got no education. I've got no superannuation. I've got no career. Now I've got no marriage. So I'm trying to, I'm selling all my worldly goods. I started with my wedding ring and engagement ring. But you know what? I'm okay with that because I now can put that into my documentary, which is upcoming. Um, it's been edited and it's actually ready for release, but I'm not happy with it. So I'm going to wait and re-edit it at more cost to get it to find a nice balance because I don't want to be the mouthpiece or protect the Catholic Church and what they've done here, and I won't do that. But given that I'll have a time limit, it will mainly focus on my case. And I'm actually going to run it as a fundraiser because I've always said I don't want charity, I want justice. But in lieu of being able to get any justice, I know that the goodwill's out there. The goodwill in racing is they raised in a very short period of time $2 million yes. for, for two male people in racing that had, um, you know, bad things happen to them. And yet racing where I've spent my entire working life, have completely ignored me. Mm. So, look, Marita, I just want to bring you back because it sounds as though when you're looking at, you know, we're looking at ways that survivors can listen to your story and try and uh, take take what's relevant to them to try and find their own way through. And I guess one of the things we were looking at was, you know, you've you've had to cut ties with people that were family and that you've been given a, a hard time about that. Can you tell us what changed for family that were supporting you and then suddenly they're not? Are you able to I, make sense? I think it's I think it's the church, Gloria. Okay. Um, most of them are church goers and obviously, you know, it was Cardinal Pell who famously said it's all lies and gossip until it's been proven in court. Well, we can tick that worldwide. Yes. So I still think there's a church uh, we don't talk about that because, you know, if we're doing that, of course we don't want people to talk about that. But the game is up. The game is truly Very obvious. Up. It's obvious. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the Catholic uh, Church are well known and, for those that aren't aware, just watch Spotlight, the Netflix yep. movie. And, and, and the documentary called Silence in the House of God is very good. Is that on YouTube as well? I think it would be. I get it mm. on DVD here from the library, but it came out, I think, in 2012. It's the history of pedophilia in the Catholic Church and how they handled it. And at the finish, you've got um, Thomas Doyle, Canon Lawyer, and Jeffrey Robinson, QC. And, and it is a documentary about a priest in Milwaukee called Father Murphy. Unfortunately, it's just more and more prevalent. But yes. I, I suppose when you look at people in your life who maybe have been supportive, can you think of people who have stood by you and have supported you? I think at about one in a 100 because obviously I'm quite vocal now. I have business cards and when I go down the street, randomly give them to women, sometimes men, and I say, I'm fighting for women's rights. I've got a documentary online. This is like a free ticket. And occasionally someone will turn away, but I'm finding more and more now that um, I'm given a great place in society with strangers, more so strangers than friends and family. Um, 
And probably you know, a fair percentage, 30% of them would be survivors of course. as well. Of course, so 100%. You understand. And the, the thing, the beauty about survivors and for our lovely audience as well is we understand and we get it and we don't have to justify any of it because we understand who on earth would put themselves through all of this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it's no. not, you know, and that's that's a reality. You talked but, about the, the young Aboriginal abuser who who then fessed up and tried to help you, and you talked about the other one of the brothers who managed to get all that money off you. What about the other one? Was there ever anything that happened with the he, he, abuser? He was the wit. He was the witness and uh, he had a criminal record. So he defrauded the NAB bank of over a million dollars and went to jail for five years. So not a credible witness. I believe I am and was a credible witness and I stand by that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course you are. Well, and, and I didn't I didn't set out to destroy anyone, Gloria. I just wanted how I coped growing up was knowing one day as an adult I'd give myself permission to go back and find these people and and confront them because as a seven-year-old I, I couldn't, I was nobody, I was nothing, I was little, I was small. Seven-year-olds are very small. Well, you've got no power. There's no, no, power no but I, I have now. Yeah. And, you know, like I had, I wasn't active on social media by choice. I wasn't even active on Facebook. So to get a voice, I had to get on all these platforms. The da when I got on Twitter, his daughter was on Twitter and she got off. So I look at the sins of the father and suffer the little children. Like, she's done nothing wrong. I'm so embarrassed for her that her father is now known as a rapist, a bully, a threatener, um, a fraudulent person who took my money, a liar. Um calling him out I've called him out publicly so he's actually in racing so everybody in racing has to make the decision now whether they believe me or, be or believe him end and of what, story what do you notice do you notice people are, are more and more believing that what well, how quite obviously I'm speaking the truth why would you risk a hundred over a hundred thousand dollars well I was just going to say and the other thing too is if you think about it, what seven-year-old in this, even in this day and age, would understand no. what what no. rape is? How would they? I, I feel sorry for them now because they're dealing with you know boys looking at porn online and stuff, and girls, young girls, thinking that anal sex or choking's normal, and it's just awful. None of that existed, obviously, back in my time. But when I was going to the races, I walked around the corner one day and there was the commentator, the race caller and the tipster who was doing the live tipping on TV. And when they saw me, they scattered. They literally scattered because they all know me. Um, and, and then I noticed a change, even though they're not supporting me financially in that, um, like the, the guy who was doing the, the tipping, when I walked into the manning yard with a horse, sometime later he was yelling out over the fence to me like and he was working on the tv so but sadly that hasn't transpired into sort of meaningful but anyway i've done what i can i'm 
Well, well, oh. that's it. And I suppose ju just as we're going into a closeout, you know, is there any tips you would give to survivors who are trying to uh, work their way through the legal system? Mm. What what two or three tips would you give to those people? Um, I do see it's the same worldwide. I mediation, if they can swing that, would be much better. And there used to be a thing called the Minnesota Solution yeah. where when you reported you had three options, you know, where they could, at that point, they could sit down and have a talk. I think I think I would suggest to try mediation, even though I did try mediation and did no good. I still think, you know, I, I do have, well, quite often abusers have been abused themselves. Most of the priests, it was a repeat behaviour. So we're breaking that cycle, hopefully, by speaking out. Um, yeah. And I, I get I get very frustrated when people say, "Oh, you know, if only the priests could be married, it wouldn't make one scrap of difference." If you're a head of, you know, it's it's an ill informed, it's an ill very ill informed thought process that it really is a hundred percent, and uh, it's a convenient one. We would agree, I think. It's yes. But look, I think you know, you know, stay right there. But I, I think what you're offering, Marita, is you know, common sense. Marita's just been through so much and still trying to get justice. And I think for you guys watching, if you're in that space too, trying to work your way through the legal system, not the justice system, the legal system. Uh, looking at mediation as an idea is a really good option. The other thing I, I think that um, Marita, well, she's given us a lot of gold today, but is around, you know, you don't need permission to tell your story. No. But the only caveat I put on that is that choose someone you trust the first time. And journal it. Yes, Journal it. because we're vulnerable guys, you know, yeah. we're finding our voice after all those years, it can be tough, so please choose well. Now, Marita has got her documentaries, they're all going to be included in the show notes, you please, please go and watch them, reach out to her, um, I'm sure she'd love to hear from you and, and yep. have some support from you as well, and um in the meantime, I just want to say thank you so much to you, Marita, today for giving us the benefit of your experience and wisdom. I'm so sorry you had to go through that and continue to have to battle your way through. It's just not right. Um, but to survivors out there, as always, I see you, I stand beside you, and I believe you. Thank you.